Welcome to the Centro Church Podcast. To find out more about Centro Church, please visit us at centrochurch.com.au or download our smartphone app today. Hebrew word or what um, the word that they would have heard in those days when that word was spoken, Jesus, they didn't say Jesus, uh, it was a Hebrew word, Yeshua, whereby we derive the English word Joshua. Um, we have made this word Jesus a Latin word, stand for the Son of God. But the Hebrew word and the word that would have been understood when this was written was the word Yeshua. That's why, that's why God doesn't answer many of your prayers because you mispronounce the name of his son. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel when they mispronounce the name of your children? Um, I'm only kidding, of course. And let's face it, right? Yeshua doesn't, you know, Yeshua loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't work, does it, right? Uh, too many syllables, too hard. We're not going to be changing it anytime soon. But just so you understand that when you see that word, and this was a Hebrew culture, it was the word Yeshua or the word Joshua in the English because they didn't have J in their language. When Yeshua, the birth of Yeshua, important in a moment, not just being cute, um, the Messiah, let's just camp out on this word Messiah because it's a really important word again. Do you, are, do you know what the word Messiah means? Again, it's a Hebrew word. Uh, we have a, uh, an English word that we translate from a Greek word. We use the word Christ, right? Jesus Christ. The word Messiah means deliverer. Uh, Christ was not Mary and Joseph's surname. Some of you might have thought, you know, Jesus Christ. That's because Mary and Joseph had a surname and his name was Jesus Christ. That was never his name. Christ is his title. Christ and the word Messiah are interchangeable and the word means deliverer. That's a really important word. If I'm going to be able to have you all understand and be able to communicate in a few words why Jesus came. So what do we have? Let's go back to the whole verse if we can. This is how the birth of Yeshua the Deliverer came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Let's stop and talk about that for a moment. Just giving you the background, it's all going to be very meaningful in a moment, so just hang with me. They weren't married, they were pledged to be married, they were teenagers, they were kids. Um, they hadn't decided to get married. Their parents had decided they would get married because that's how it worked. By the time your child was 10 or 11, you'd already picked out a spouse for them. How would you like that? The way it still works, right? And uh, you will marry, my son will marry your daughter. We'll do a deal and it's all said and done. And, it's, and the, the marriage isn't consummated. You know, there's no funny business that goes on uh, for a while. Um, but by the, time they're, by, by the time they're in their late teens, they've come together. There's been a wedding. They're living as husband and wife. That hadn't happened yet for Mary and Joseph. They had been pledged. Okay, so the parents had decided they would be married. The marriage hadn't taken place. But this was the state that they were in, and she was found to be pregnant. Now, it was all a little crazy, this, this teenage girl, um, 14, 15 years of age, who was pregnant, trying to explain the fact that I'm pregnant to God, right? Hard sort of hard gig for anybody to try to uh, convince people was the fact. There was a lot of Greek mythology around, even back then, that indicated that, that gods came down and impregnated women. Some of you here would have heard of Hercules. Who's heard of Hercules? Hercules is the son of 
Zeus, a god, and a woman, a, a beautiful woman that Zeus came and impregnated. So the whole idea of a god impregnating a beautiful woman was not new to culture back then. It was Greek mythology, and, but, but it wasn't real. But here's this young woman trying to say, no, you know, the birth of Hercules, right, was, was Zeus coming and impregnating. This is true. God now, the Hebrew God is now come and impregnated me. A tough bill of goods to sell and Joseph didn't really believe her and that would have hurt because if it wasn't me then who was it and he's struggling and so he goes on and says because Joseph her husband was faithful he was a faithful man faithful to the law and faithful to his commitments and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace so he has concluded she's lying and I don't want to expose her publicly so he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. So he could go and have the thing annulled, right? It was a formal exercise. You'd go and see a rabbi and the whole thing would be done away with. She could go her way and he could go his way. But after he considered this, in verse 20, an angel of the Lord appears to him in a dream. Now, what the angel says is really important, all right? So if you can just give me your attention for the next five minutes... Because if you miss this, you, you kind of miss the whole deal. Listen to what the angel says in light of what I've just told you. Joseph, son of David. Now, a bit more explanation. Joseph is actually not the son of David. Um, Joseph, that, that's speaking of King David. And Joseph was at the line of King David. And they are expecting a deliverer, right? A Messiah, a Christ, someone to deliver them. That's what their expectation is. They're not expecting that this person would be born of a virgin, even though um, Isaiah talks about a, 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 a saviour coming from a virgin. The word that's used back in Isaiah simply means young woman or maiden. It doesn't mean virgin as you and I understand the word means today. right? So they weren't expecting a, a, a virgin to be with child. They were expecting someone to come of the lineage of King David this mighty warrior and the angel is reminding Joseph that's you buddy you're of the line of King David don't forget it then he says this do not be afraid why do you tell someone not to be afraid because there's plenty of reasons to be afraid Mary could be stoned to death for this pregnancy you will be ridiculed you could finish up in all kinds. Would any, he was a carpenter. Would any self-respecting person do business with somebody who has put their fiancé into this position? Joseph had plenty of reasons to be afraid. But the angel says, do not be afraid. Take Mary home as your wife because what she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. God spoke to Joseph and when God speaks I've got to tell you folks you, you, you clearly understand what, it's, what, what he's saying it's, it's not some bit oh is that God is that God you know um, in fact when God speaks here's an interesting thought for you when God speaks it can actually override your freedom of will uh, in the same way that you might put your hand uh, on the hot plate you might say I want to put my hand on the hot plate right and you might say I decide to do that how many know you put your hand on the hot plate, you leave it there for a few minutes and pretty soon, forget your free will. Your free will is going to be forced by the heat of the hot plate to remove your hand. That's what happens when God speaks to you. 
When God speaks to you, it can actually override your freedom of choice. That's why it seldom ever happens, folks. That's why it seldom ever happens. Because when God speaks, you have no freedom of choice. In the same way that a hot plate affords you no freedom of choice to leave your hand there because it overrides you. God's voice overrides you. So God keeps this for special occasions like the birth of his son. Just bear that in mind. So what does he do? He does what every self-respecting young man would continue to do. He, 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 he listens. He listens to what the angel has to say. This, this virgin birth was not contingent to the storyline. Um, it wasn't what uh, people uh, gathered around when he was crucified. They didn't say, oh, well, he was born of a virgin. Let's keep the dream alive. It was the resurrection that kept the dream alive, not the virgin birth. He didn't have to be born of a virgin to somehow get into the Jewish psyche. The only reason it's there is because it's true. The only reason it's there was because this is what happened. And this is what the angel went on to say. She will give birth to a son. And you will give him a name. And of course, the name is Yeshua. <laughs> I've already told you that. <laughs> That's what he heard. Your name. Now, when he heard that name, he knew exactly what was going on. Because they knew about the mighty deliverer in, his, in Israeli, in Jewish history, Joshua, right? The battle of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down, all this sort of stuff. And they're not looking for a lawgiver like Moses. They're looking for a deliverer like Joshua. And so when he hears that, he immediately knows, oh, I get it. This is Yeshua. This is the deliverer. This is the one of the line of David. I am the line of David and we are going to call him Yeshua, the deliverer of his people. And of course, the angel goes on to say, because he will save his people. And, Joshua, and, and Joseph's thinking, well, of course he'll save his people. That's what Yeshua does. Yeshua saves his people. He takes his people into a promised land. He gets rid of all of the enemies. Why know Yeshua well? And Yeshua is coming to save from what the next word would have blown joseph out of the water he had no idea what this meant and i need you to lean in and comprehend he said he will deliver him he will deliver his people from their sins and joseph would have thought our what <laughs> deliver us from our sins we don't need delivering from our sins <laughs> we're not we're jews hey angel you know just a little bit of a word of a, 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 a heads up for you we already have a sophisticated sin delivering system it's called sacrifice the, the romans cope with it it's all good we don't need deliverance from sins angel we need deliverance. And everybody in this room who knows anything about Jewish history, know what? if you got all the Jews together and said, do you need deliverance? They'd all say, yes. Deliverance from what? Everyone would say, Rome. Delivering us from our sins? The Romans need delivering from their sins. Do you see what they get up to? I mean, we're, we're Jews. 
We have a high, high moral standard of behavior. And if we ever do do the wrong thing from time to time it happens, we already have something in place. This is ridiculous. There's no need for this. Haven't you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of human need, angel? (laughs) You know? uh, physiological need right first you know water food once we've got that we need safety you know shelter and 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 and, uh, a sense that we're not under threat then there's belonging you know we need love and give love and then esteem I need to think that I'm valuable and then self-actualization that my life means something I can make a purpose and I can't go from one to the other I might need delivering from one of those but I can tell you now delivering from my sins ain't no felt need it wasn't there and guess what folks I don't know how much it is today either that's an issue see this 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 is the point Joseph does what he's what he's told to do and he gets up he marries Mary and the rest is as they say is history but but I want to just camp out on this they will save them from their sins he will deliver them from their sins because that's a powerful powerful phrase that doesn't really, you know, I, I just read that a minute ago. He'll deliver from his, you know what? Go, oh, yeah, how much longer, mate? We need, we need to go home. <laughs> I've got something cooking in the oven. If we understood the significance of that, you'd be up on your seat cheering. <laughs> I mean, what do you need delivering from? Who in this room, if I told you this morning, Jesus came to deliver you from your debt and you'd have no more house mortgage, no more car payment, no more, see, they're up, no more credit card statement. <laughs> Would that get you up? I mean, if I was seriously handing out checks this morning, said, just tell me how much you owe and I'm writing you a check, you will be delivered of your debt. Yeah, that would get someone going. <laughs> How many are delivering from their in-laws later today? Maybe I shouldn't go there, right? <laughs> but, but you know, with the, this, the, how many are looking forward to, to the savings that are being made tomorrow at the Boxing Day sales? You know, 50% off. I'm excited about the savings. <laughs> Not so excited about the saviour of my sin. But what do you think? I mean, what would excite you if there was an issue in your life that you no longer had to deal with? It was gone from your life forever. If God appeared to you in a dream and said, that's it, that issue in your life, done, right? I'm taking your husband home. You haven't got to put up with him any longer, right? From now on, your kid will behave and do everything you tell them to do. Yeah, they are sort of getting somewhere. <laughs> Here's a thought for you. I wonder this. I wonder if we've reduced he will save you from your sins to this. He will forgive you of your sin. It's not that he will forgive you of. It's he will save you from. They are two hugely different concepts you see often we can be saved from our sin and still live with the consequence of it but in the tradition of joshua yeshua has come as a conqueror to conquer the nation of sin to conquer the uh the the situation of sin the, the the rule of sin in our lives there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery 
in, in Jesus' day. A, a dreadful situation, again, one that could be punishable by death, right? They drag her up the stairs of the temple, naked from what we can gather. All the places on earth this woman would want to be, this is the last place. As they drag her up the stairs of, of the temple, there, there's a group over there offering sacrifices for sin, not 20, 30 yards away, meters away from where she is. Just over there, a little bit further away, there's the Holy of Holies, and inside the Holy of Holies, there's the law that condemns her. She wants to be anywhere but right here. They throw her on the feet at the feet of Jesus, and they say, Jesus, this woman's been caught. She deserves to be stoned to death. We've brought her here to stone her. Now, that was never going to happen, right? No one was ever stoned in the temple. They were never going to stone anybody in the temple. The Romans wouldn't have let it happen. The Jews, the priests wouldn't have let it happen. But anyhow, Jesus plays their bluff. He says, okay, let's stone her then, boys. Pick up your rocks, and you who have no sin, cast the first stone. And then he gets down on his haunches and starts writing in the sand. We don't know what he was writing. Some suggest he was writing the names of some of the ladies who they'd had some friendships with, but we won't go there. <laughs> and they see what he's writing. Anyway, one by one, they drop the rocks and they go away. And he says to the woman, he says, where are your condemners? And she says, they've gone. And he makes two incredibly profound powerful statements he says neither do i condemn you right they're they're sacrificing lambs over there for sin but i'm the lamb of god about to be sacrificed for the sin of the world i'm here to save you from your sin and then he makes this profound statement firstly he says i don't condemn you to which we all say and me don't condemn me either then he says this he says go and sin no more to which we all say, is that even possible? How, how, does, how does that work? It only works because of one reason. He didn't come to forgive us from our sin, or should say forgive us for our sin, but he came to deliver us from our sin. He made the statement himself in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to, to kill and to destroy, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. Forgiveness is a zero-sum game, right? Forgiveness brings us back to zero. Okay, it's like I never did it. I'm back here. But that's not what this is about. He didn't just come to bring us back to here. He came to deliver us from the power of sin. He came to give us life and life more abundant. He came to give us an ever-increasing flow of life. Paul's a really smart guy and he puts it like this and we'll close. He says, therefore, do not let your sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires sin is like a master in the same way Yeshua delivered the children of Israel from the inhabitants of the promised land so Yeshua Jesus now comes to deliver the inhabitants of sin that's you and I from its mastery and he makes an interesting observation he basically says you have a choice I have a choice yeah you have a choice If you understand what Jesus has done, you have a choice. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You see, we're not just forgiven, folks. We have been given abundant life. Have you ever seen this bumper sticker that says Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven? That's such a low form of Christian existence. 
We are so much more than forgiven, folks. We are delivered. We are delivered from the power of sin and delivered to abundant life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us abundant life by delivering, delivering us from the power of sin. For sin shall no longer, it goes on, says verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. I love that. He personifies sin. He's not talking about the devil here. He's talking about that, that part of you. And you know, what it's, you know what it's like. You've been in the case. I've been in the case. You've got like one little voice on this shoulder, one voice on that shoulder. And this little voice is saying, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. And this little voice is saying, yes, you should. Yes, you should. And this voice is saying, no, it's wrong. And this voice says, ah, who cares? No one's going to know anyhow. Why don't you know you want to? You know it's going to make you feel good. You know it's going to you know, satisfy that need within you. So just go ahead and do it anyway. And you give in to this voice and you forget about that voice. He's naming this voice. That's what he's talking about. He says, Jesus came to kill this voice. He came to do away with this desire. And it works conversely. You know, when you, I, I want to do something, but I'm not going to do it. I want to do it, but you know, and, and, and you know, you should do it but you end up not doing it and again it's that little voice and he goes on and says a little bit later in the chapter he says for the wages of sin is death everybody in this room whether you're a Christian or not and I know this morning there's people here and you're not, you wouldn't define yourself as a Christian or a church person but you know this you know that the wages of sin is death you know that because you've, you've seen things die in your life because of sin Maybe you've had a marriage die because of sin. Sin kills things. Here's, here's a revelation for you. Forgiven sin kills things. You've seen relationships die because of sin, haven't you? Maybe you had a relationship with a, with a parent or with a child and that relationship's not there anymore. And if we're going to get down to the, to the core of the matter, what killed it was sin. Maybe you're struggling financially and maybe there's just money that's pouring through your fingers. And if we're going to get down to the number of the issue, the issue here is sin. Sin kills things. But the good news of Christmas is that this isn't just about forgiveness. He goes, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the gift that came at Christmas, the gift that we receive today is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God gives us life, life to the full, life this Christmas. We have a new master, he's called grace. We're not under the law anymore. If your Christianity is like this, you know, I try and I fail, I try and I fail, and you get pretty much after a while sick of trying, you know. Oh God, forgive me, whoops, I did it again, you know. Whoops, here we go, you know. Can you please forgive me again? That's not what Christianity is about. That's not what Christmas is about. It's not just about being forgiven. It's about being delivered. Many of you in this room would be familiar with The Wizard of Oz, if not everybody. And Dorothy with her red, ruby red slippers. She could go home any time. She could choose to go home any time. And she's gone through all of these trials and all these tribulations. And she finds out at the end, oh gosh, I'm an idiot. I could have just clicked my shoes and I could have gone back to Kansas anytime I wanted to Christian listen to me sin is not your master you don't have to be controlled by lack of self-control 
You don't have to be controlled by alcohol. You don't have to be controlled by drugs. You don't have to be controlled by jealousy. You don't have to be controlled by anger. You don't have to be controlled by lust. Sin is not your master anymore. Grace is where we find ourselves today. If you're not a Christian here this morning, we don't call it sin. You don't call it sin. I understand that. I'm not being, you know, uh, wanting to sound critical because we don't define it as sin we, we, we define it as a mistake we define it as bad choices we define it as the result of a bad upbringing or a horrible boss or a whatever whatever all I want to say to you is this when you're sick and tired of it when you're fed up with trying to find somebody to blame for the way that you feel And when you're fed up with having to deal with, whoops, I did it again, and this ever-decreasing spiral of decisions that seem to be carrying you towards a destination, that if if I was to ask you 20 years ago, you would have thought, I wasn't going there, but I just seem to be getting there, I just seem to be getting there. When you've had enough, Christmas is a standing invitation from your heavenly father who says sin is not your master. You can come home anytime. Click your ruby red slippers and I am there for you. And as we come to a close of this part of our, our service and we're going to have an item in just a moment if they'd like to get ready, Jono and Jody. I want to invite you this morning Maybe you've had enough of that master. That master is a tyrant. That master uh, masquerades in our life in so many different ways. But the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came to deliver us from sin. (laughs) So that that horrible master has no longer any authority or control over my life. Therefore, I can have eternal, abundant life in Jesus Christ Father I thank you this morning for eternal abundant life I thank you this morning God when I think about where I would be today if it hadn't been for your eternal grace if it hadn't been for that part of me that you delivered me from Lord I I I, I scared can take it in I, 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 I hesitate to even go there in my head yet on this Christmas day I, I can stand here and give glory to your name because you have delivered me sin is not my master I have abundant life in Jesus Christ and today we take a, a moment to comprehend the magnitude that concept in our life in Jesus name